Welcome to another episode of the Dive In Podcast, bringing you the best interviews with your favorite San Diego SEALs. I want to give a little background info before we get started on today's episode. We partnered with Kings and Convicts Brewing earlier this year. They've been a phenomenal sponsor, and this podcast was conducted at their brew house in a public setting. And their location happens to be next to a military base that has planes and helicopters and all kinds of stuff flying around. During this episode, you will hear some of that background noise. I talk about it a little bit in real time, but I wanted to give you a notice before we kick things off. On today's show, we have head coach and GM Patrick Merrill, lefty forward Dane Doby, lefty forward Zach Greer, and defenseman Brody Merrill, a star-studded lineup if there ever was one. The amount of things these guys have accomplished is literally too long to list, so Google it. Final point. The Canadian-American lacrosse lingo is stupid semantics. If you get mad at me for saying attackman instead of forward, take it to Twitter. Let's get in a beef. Everyone knows what I'm referencing and talking about, and I won't apologize for any quote-unquote mix-ups. This episode is brought to you by UC San Diego Health, ranked number one in San Diego by U.S. News & World Report. Last time I checked, being ranked number one by U.S. News & World Report is a good thing. They are the official healthcare provider of the San Diego Seals. Big fan of their work. That's UC San Diego Health. Also, this episode is brought to you by Knockaround Sunglasses. Knockaround is the original affordable sunglasses company. Head to knockaround.com and pick up a great pair of polarized shades for about $30. You're not going to beat that price. Let's go. First off, thank you very much for joining. Really appreciate it. Um, Trade deadline happened recently, and big pickup with Hickey. And, you know, for those that don't know Hickey, right-handed attackman from Philadelphia. Does he fill a hole that you were noticing, or is he just an addition to a right-handed line that you're already happy with? Yeah, I mean, um, we didn't didn't think we had uh, too many holes uh, on our team. We, We like our group, and um, you know, we feel like our group's been getting stronger and stronger as the season has gone on. We have a lot of depth in all positions. Um, it was more, I would say, an addition to, you know, uh, what we felt could give us, make us a little bit stronger and give us a little bit more depth. Uh, we have a busy schedule coming up. Um, you know, I had, I had the pleasure of uh, playing with, with Brett. Um, and, you know, he's a character guy that we knew that would fit our, in, in our room really well, but also, you know, just give us another option offensively with some more size. And um, he's a great goal scorer. He can find the inside of the floor very well. And, uh, and um, yeah, we think he's just going to be a nice, a nice addition down the stretch. Got it. And I want to I give the caveat for anybody listening. You might hear some background noise. We're really close to the Miramar... Um, marine base so there's planes flying in and out if you complain about it you hate america hate freedom (laughs) um just want to give that caveat so in the press release with hickey i have a direct quote from him that he has enjoyed watching the exciting brand of lacrosse that the seals play are you going to call him out for pandering right (laughs) off the bat i mean that's a pretty cheesy quote yeah it's pretty cheesy but uh you know i i would agree with him though i think we do play a very exciting style style especially up front uh, we got so many dynamic players and uh, I think for an offensive player like him um, you know it's uh, he's obviously uh, pretty excited to be uh, able to be a part of that uh, type of exciting 
form of uh, offensive play, and uh, and uh, you know you can't blame them. There, <laughs> I'll call them out for pandering. Okay, so please, we're good there. Please take that off my plate. There are rumors that uh, that the trade was submitted about three minutes before the deadline hit. Is there any uh, you know kind of behind the scenes drama? No, it kind of always works like that, or it has in my experience where, uh, you know, there's a lot of conversations that kind of lead up to that, but then, uh, you know, that deadline really kind of puts pressure on you to make a decision and and iron some things out. So negotiations were going on days, uh, weeks before that. So, uh, yeah, but we were were able to get it done pretty pretty, uh, close to the deadline, which I think stressed our assistant GM, Sean, out more than (laughs) anyone, but... uh, uh, we were able to get it done in, in, in good time, so uh, it all worked out. Thank you, Sean. Sean's in the audience. Sean, thank you for submitting that trade. We really appreciate it. So, um, Shifting focus to this weekend, uh, you know, what are the expectations for Saturday? Anything specific that we, uh, we have to prepare for? Yeah, uh, it's going to be uh, – I think we've had this one circled for a while. Um, you know, it's going to be – Oh, we have a plane flying overhead at, uh, as we speak. So cool, though. Um, I mean, I get all fired cool. up whenever I see planes. So. Very cool. Um, you know, Colorado's right on our heels, right? Um, you know, I think this one is uh, definitely uh, one that's going to dictate kind of who might finish at the top of the division. So, um, you know, they're coming off a tough loss last weekend, but they always play us tough. So it's going to be a really exciting game. They made some moves this week as well. So it should be really interesting to see their new lineup also this weekend. Got it. And then the final question I'll ask, there were trade rumors uh, circulating that Brody Merrill was on the chopping block. Um, you know, I heard that, that he was going to get traded for a used tissue. <laughs> Any comment on that? Uh, no, that's a completely <laughs> false uh, right. accusation and comment. But uh, no, no, we, we have a good team. So we had, we had calls uh, about a lot of guys, um, including, including him. So... Uh, but we, uh, like I said earlier, we want to we wanna keep this intact going forward. And uh, glad yeah. we're able to keep Brody around. I am personally not. But <laughs> save that for another day. Thank you very much. That's as much as I'll harass you. Appreciate it as always. Thanks, Nick. <laughs> Pleasure as always. Thank you. All right. Our next guest. You know him as the 2019 NLL MVP. Blockbuster trade coming from Calgary has been a spark for this offense, Dane Doby. Hi, Nick. Well-known media personality. Love it. Loves this type of stuff. I'm already going to ask you to get a little bit closer to the mic. (laughs) As the media guy, I feel like you've been ducking me for most of the season, so I'm actually glad that I forced you into a 20-minute corner here. 20 minutes. (laughs) Clock starts now. Starts now, Nick. Yeah. So in my uh, in my due diligence in my research, you have a dog named Doug. I do. Yes, that's How'd you right. come up with the name Doug? Because I laugh out loud every time I think of it. I think uh, my wife and me picked Doug up from a farm, and uh, we were trying to make names. And I said it's either Wendell or Doug because I'm a Leafs fan, and uh, she liked Doug better than Wendell. <laughs> there you go. As good a dog name story as ever. <laughs> uh, my first serious question um, Going back to your rookie year, which might take you a while to think about, I read that you struggled a little bit. You, did, you weren't exactly a staple in the roster. Um, it took you a little bit to get acclimated. It's probably been a while since you've 
truly struggled to crack a roster. What was that rookie season like, and how hard was that transition? Yeah, you know, it was, it, it was tough coming out of junior. I was young. and uh, How old were you? 21, I think. Got it. I came out after I uh, graduated junior, but it was, uh, it was definitely a tough uh, leap coming from playing against kids to playing against men. Um, I got drafted by Calgary and I uh, came in and I played with uh, a good team. We had a really good team and uh, I just couldn't, uh, I played the first five, I think, or the first five out of seven. And then uh, after that, I, I sat at home. So it was uh, definitely a learning lesson. And uh, after I got to play in the WLA back uh, out west, um, where I actually got to play with men for a, for a whole summer, that's when I understood the game a bit better and uh, was able to come back in 2009 and be stronger. We can uh, compare notes about sitting at home. So good, good. <laughs> um, your game isn't exactly one of like bursting by people. So I guess I'm curious, not to start off on a negative note, but what from your rookie year where you were struggling to crack a roster into exploding onto the scene? Because watching you play, it's more of your stick skills, it's more of your eyes, it's more of your vision. Which whether you're playing against boys or playing against men. Those seems those skill sets kind of seem to be applicable no matter what. So, what was the biggest leap from that first year to that second year that helped? Honestly, <laughs> that's uh, a good place to start. Probably, I would have to say <laughs> Josh. Josh got traded to Calgary mid two thousand. Josh who for the people? At Josh home. Sanderson got traded to Calgary two thousand and eight mid season. I was already sitting at home. Um, I grew up watching him. I knew what he's all about, um, and I got to learn from likes of Josh, Tracy, Kluski, Caleb Toth, Kurt Miloski. Um I came into the league, and uh, it was all ears, and uh, they showed me the ropes pretty quick there, and. Um, it's one of the leagues. It's one of the things when you come into this league and you don't produce, and you're supposed to produce, you're out of it before you know it. So, um, I was lucky in 2009 to to start off the year well and and be able to keep uh, keep pace with those guys and uh, be a an asset to that offense, uh, that strong of an offense that I was able to stay in the stay in the lineup constantly. And uh, it, it just uh, I guess the cards fell where they fell, and I was. Uh, I'm very grateful how it how it actually worked out. Was it like a snap recognition from that rookie year to the first game of your second year? You were like, oh, crap. Good catch, Nick. Um, like, okay, now everything makes sense, or was it a gradual process? No, it was actually, to be honest with you, it was the WLA, like the, the summer league where I got to go back and play in Coquillum, and mm -hmm. uh, I had a really strong summer, and, uh, and I was – came in with confidence and I was able to have confidence in that summer league and uh, be able to come to training camp the following year and be able to uh, know I was confident in my game and knew I was confident in, and I could play with these guys and uh, the older guys and uh, be able to show them what I could do. You've been around for a long time. Who's your least favorite team to play against and who's your favorite team to play against? That's kind of tough. Um, it's switched over the years. Um, I used to hate playing against uh, the really good Edmonton, Saskatchewan teams. Um, but at the same time, I loved it. So um, they were always tough wins. Their defense was massive. Their defense was fast. Um, they went on a big run of championships. Um, that was really a, a tough time um, playing against those guys. Who's my favorite team to play against? I don't know. That's... Uh, 
it's, it's a tough question. Like I lot like I Calgary I at Calgary maybe. Yeah, Calgary at Calgary was a good game. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, so um, but uh, I don't know. That's that's tough. I, I like the cities. I like going to the cities and uh, seeing what it's all about and like playing in the big barns. Like I like going to Buffalo, playing in front of a big crowd there, get the family to be able to come down. Um, from the east, so that's a good game. Toronto is always a good game, um, but I have no real favorites. Fair. Do you have a favorite city that you like? I mean, outside of the barn. Yeah, I judge. <laughs> I judge a city off of uh, the food, how far the airport is to the hotel, and how far the hotel is to the arena. <laughs> so, Colorado kind of Colorado's beautiful city, but it's too far travel. Very um, much S- agree. Saskatchewan is like 10 minutes from the airport, 10 minutes to the rink, average food, cold. So, like, that's kind of how I judge the city, um, to be honest with you. San Diego is really nice. It's like 10 minutes, 10 minutes, real good food. So, uh, <laughs> I, you know, like, that's kind of how I've been judging cities. And uh, and their practice facilities fall into, fall into a bit of a play there, too. So I thought uh, last year when I got to play in uh, Philadelphia, and we actually played with uh, when the when the Flyers owned the team. It was a fantastic, uh, fantastic downtown core. It was an awesome feel. I loved playing in Philly last year when I was there. Got it. Two years ago, whenever it was. You go from being a staple of the Roughnecks organization to getting traded to San Diego. My first thought would be, okay, well, the season is from December to May. That's a pretty big upgrade just getting out of the cold. What were your first thoughts? Yeah, that was... Uh, Did that play a little part or it no? It definitely played a part. Um, rewinding that whole thing. Free agent, not traded, sorry. Rewinding that whole thing. It was... Uh, there was a lot to do with it. Um, yeah. You know, Steve, Patty, Shooter, um, I was talking to constantly. We were on uh, family vacation uh, in the interior of BC, out in beautiful weather. Um I know my wife wants to uh, now wants to move to California, um, but uh, just coming down here and uh, the family atmosphere that this organization brings and uh, preaches and allows is is second to none. And I'm so grateful we got to spend time down here and uh, be able to meet all all the guys and their families and stuff like that. It, it does go a long way. It does create a more of a connection, um, and I'm just uh, grateful to be here and. To top your point, yes, 75 degrees is better than minus 30. Okay. <laughs> and let me reiterate the point that it was free agent. He didn't get traded. I'm just trying not to get punched up here. So, um, Last couple questions. So you've had some incredible coaches in your career, but you've also had kind of the, the fortune to have these coaches be people that you've kind of played for or against or with or something like that. So take Josh Sanderson, for example. You know, he's the old coordinator right now. How much of that is like, hey, coach, you know, we played together. I kind of know how you coach. You know, you know I know what I'm doing. So as a veteran who's been around the league forever and I've seen you take kind of a quarterback role in practice, how much of, like, it is still being coached versus how much of it is, yeah, 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 I kind of know what I'm doing? I don't think I'd ever tell Josh, yeah, yeah, I know what I'm doing. (laughs) That's not uh, something that would come off, but you're right. Like I came into the league, it's, it's a bit different. It's a bit different here. Um, you know, like I, all the coaches I've had, I've really played with or against. Um, 
I ruined with Josh my first year in the league or my second year in the NLL. So he kind of brought me through it. Um, he's definitely a different coach than he was a player, I think. Um, I played against Patty and for years, I don't even know how many years, and he was intimidating and I was afraid to get cross-checked in the head every time I was around him. Fair. But, uh, you know, like what these guys bring to the table, um, you never question it. You just go and do it. Um, sure, they have their ears are open and they'll listen to you and listen to ideas and that kind of stuff. But um, my trust is 100% in their hands and everybody's trust on our team is 100% in their hands to they come up with the game plan and we're going to put it together and we're going to try and execute it. And uh, really no questions asked at the end of the day. Um, if there's ideas that come up, sure, there might be some uh, back and forth communication a little bit. But other than that, we're just uh, I'm supposed to score goals and help my team score goals. And um, if I'm not doing that, Josh is the first to let me know. And Patty's not far behind. <laughs> um, and then final is, uh, you know, it's it's interesting you kind of playing for someone that you used to play with. What about Kurt Malowski? You know, you're, you're getting ready for a game and you're going up to play against a coach that you have such a good relationship with. Is it tough to get a little bit more uh, more prepared for a game like that, or is it even easier? Because a little background information, you just said you'd rather win $100 from your buddy than $1,000 at the casino for the bragging rights. So I'm assuming you get to take a little bit of that mindset to a guy like Kurt Malowski and say, hey, I'm going to just beat the brakes off of you this game. Yeah, you know, <laughs> me and Kurt's relationship is like, goes way back till I was 17 years old. So um, it's a long time. He coached me. I played with him. He retired. He coached me again. Um, I played with him in senior. So it's been back and forth all the time. And uh, when, if you knew Kurt, and I don't know if you do, but when we were playing him, I wasn't talking to him. Like, I don't, I don't need to talk to Kurt a week before a game or anything like that. Um, he's pretty dead set on uh, that game and his team, and, and that's the same as me, and uh, I know that's the same as our coaching staff. So it's uh, sure there might be bragging rights in, uh, after the season's done and all that kind of stuff, but right now it's just uh, worry about what's in front of us. And was it nice getting two wins off of him? Absolutely. Absolutely. <laughs> Good. Well, that does it for the one-on-one. -on -one. Uh, I would like to welcome to the stage Zach Greer, fellow lefty attackman. Make sure that mic is all nice and mic check set yep, up. Mic check. There you go. Thank you. Very interesting because you guys both play the same position, both the same hand, two left-handed attackmen, and both guys that have been around forever. How do you play off of each other's leadership capabilities, and how long did it take for you guys to kind of just mesh? Was it an immediate, or did it take a couple practices for you guys to figure out how to play off of each other? You want, you want to start, or? First off, remember when I was saying I hated playing those good Edmonton teams and Saskatchewan teams? That's what he was on it. Yep. Uh, so yep. Uh, winning those championships, and, uh, you know, I've uh, both Grierzo and me are 86s. He grew up in Whippy, and I grew up in a small town in Elora. We got to play against each other. He dusted me in midget A provincials and qualifiers. Um, I never really stood a chance. But uh, I remember when I had the opportunity to make the decision to come here, he was a, he was a big reason. Um, I know 
I hate to say it that we're getting late in our careers, but uh, there's nothing more that I'd like to do is uh, be able to finish a career off with a guy that's my age, grew up in the same area, won multiple championships, and able to uh, try and host one together again. So is our chemistry 100% there right now? No. Is it improving? Yes. And is it going to be 100% by the end of the year? Absolutely. That's the way I feel. And uh, every day we're together, we get a bit stronger. Yeah, I think that's well said. It goes, um, I remember kind of way back in the day playing against Dobes, and it was usually myself, him, and Shawnee Evans at the top of the points at the end of every year, you know, from whatever, Peewee through, through Midget. And, um, and so there's a long history there, obviously, and they've been battling against each other for a long, long time. So uh, when I was trying to make a decision whether I was going to come back and play or, or potentially look elsewhere, uh, getting a call from this guy was a big part of the reason why um, I made that decision as well. And, uh, you know, getting to play with him is a, is a pleasure. Got so much respect for the guy, the way he carries himself on and off the floor and the, the work ethic and just the way he plays the game. Um, you know, I, I think we actually have a, a similar style uh, in some ways as well and so it's uh it's been a lot of fun and, and as you mentioned working on that chemistry still a little bit um uh, a little bit of room to grow there still but it's coming along and stuff like this goes a long way getting to, the chance to spend time together off the floor and um and in practice and just you know the other day at knock around and just you know um chemistry uh comes in a lot of different ways it's not just reps on the floor it's it's uh, a big part of the off-floor stuff so um, yeah, I, I mean, I think, I think it was well covered, but uh, certainly a privilege and, and excited to see where we can go here uh, the rest of the way. Is it harder for you guys to develop chemistry as opposed to someone who's more of a rookie? Like, you know, I'll use Mac O'Keefe as an example. I feel like if you two kind of tell him something, he's a rookie, he's just going to soak up as much information as possible. Like, is it harder to develop chemistry with the guy who's been around forever and already has his tendencies set? Or is it harder for a rookie who, you know, might just be wondering what the heck is going on um nice I, save I, nick i don't uh i don't i don't think so as much sure uh, sure a rookie comes in all ears um but the guys that have played in this league a long time have adjusted their games year in and year out um and it's 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 something that they have to learn how to do um sometimes you're a ball carrier one year sometimes you're an off-ball player the next year sometimes you have to play a two-man game or a three-man game more often um, if Zach told me something, I'm not telling Zach, no, that's absolutely wrong. I'm doing it my way or the highway. Um, really? We kind of feed off each other. Well, maybe in the heat of the moment, but uh, we kind of feed off each other in a, in a positive way. And uh, if he said something to me, I'm taking it uh, I'm taking it to heart, and I'm going to definitely try it and, and see how it works. And I think that's why uh, guys have been around in this league for quite some time is that they're able to uh, – Learn on the learn on the fly and adjust their games throughout their throughout their tenures in the NLL. Yeah, and I think the 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 stuff that doesn't get talked about, right? The, the spur of the moment plays something opens up, or um, you know maybe the defense plays something a certain way. The veteran guys can maybe see that quicker on the floor and react to it naturally. And so, if I can, you know, give Dobes a look, he can kind of know oh, I'm going to slip back door or something like that, where a young guy, a rookie, might not know that that's coming right that's those kind of those natural tendencies that only come from seeing it happen hundreds of times over the years um, that you know where the floor is going to open up or you know who's going to open up behind the slide stuff like that so um, I, I'd say chemistry with, with the veteran guys is sometimes easier than um, than working with the young guys is they might not know what you're going to do unless you're you're physically telling them that all right we've got the formal questions mostly out of the way 
you guys have been playing, you know, grew up in the same area. Do you recall an embarrassing play from either one of you guys on the floor? Like, did he make a bad pass and you chirped him? No. Come on now. There no. has to be something. You've been playing for years. No. Well, Zach played junior in the East and I played it in the West. So we never really seen each other after the age of, what, 17? So uh, we had some heated battles in the Calgary Edmonton, Calgary Sask yeah. uh, uh, rivalries, just on floor, just probably going at each other verbally a little bit. Um, Do you but, recall uh, anything that was said? No, I don't, I don't no, remember anything said no. after the game's over. Nick, what are you trying to dig for here? <laughs> Something funny. <laughs> That's the best part about the sport is that uh, you know you can you can battle, no friends on the floor, right? And then. Uh, Mutual respect for each other after the game off the floor. Here's a question I already know the answer to. Who chirps more on the floor between the two of you? I used to be real bad. Real bad. That's why I got my head punched in a lot. But uh, I've kind of stopped a little bit. And uh, But I'm probably still worse than Zach. That's I'll take that on the chin. I yeah. figured. Yeah, I'd probably go with that too a little bit. <laughs> Depend, depends on the game and who we're playing, but that's probably, that's probably fair. Got it. And then uh, last question before, Doby, you're done. know that you're pretty excited to wrap this up here, but uh, anyone has surprised you on the Seals this year, whether it's a rookie stepping up, whether it's someone stepping into a leadership role? Um, yeah, like, I don't think I'd be over my 20 minutes if I went top to bottom um, with how pressed I am with some of the guys on our team. But, uh, you know, I'll, I'll stick with the offense, I guess. It's because I'm an offensive guy, and I, I know you got Brody coming on. He can speak on the other guys back there. But uh, I would say, you know, Trey and Mac, um, even Dunny coming in. Um, when I first got to see Audie, I knew I watched Audie for a long time. I play, I've watched him, and he was always the energy guy. Um, and I was big. Uh, I was a big believer when I played when I was in Calgary and. The team really went around Audie uh, when they scored goals and everything like that. He was—he always brought the energy. And but when I got to see him the first time in uh, when we we're in Nash there doing training camp and how he could snap a ball around and how he sees the floor and how good of stick skills he actually has. And uh, I thought I was very impressed there. But um, to be honest with you, I'd have to go back and say like the Trays and the Max, um, how those guys are improving game in and game out and uh, providing. Uh, positive and valuable contributions to to our offense at key moments of games um i'm very very impressed with them and uh i can't wait to see them 10 years 15 years however long down the road and how to see uh their status in this league at that time zach yeah. anything to add no i, I double down good. on that i think um it's hard in this league to to come in as a rookie Especially, I feel like a lot of the guys coming out that have played a lot of field lacrosse in the last recent years, um, because you learn bad habits uh, playing field lacrosse for the box lacrosse game, right? Um, you know, just shooting the ball differently. It's a bigger net, and and you know, sometimes taking bad shots or turnovers or whatever it might be. And and those guys haven't done that, right? They came in, and, and Mac hasn't played a ton of box lacrosse. You know, spent some time up in the summer, um, up in Orangeville, but hasn't played a ton. And for those guys to be able to adapt to the program the, the way they have is is really impressive. Um, and I just think the way our team, you know, last game was an example of that. And, and obviously not what we're we're trying to do, but I feel like there's been a, a 
different guy or a different group of people step up every night when we've needed somebody to step up, you know, uh, whether it's our defense or whether it's, you know, Frankie or, you know, a um, couple guys on offense. Bergie's put us on his back a few times, right, with some, some big boy goals at key times. And so um, just having the depth that we have and, and guys being able to step up and, and make a game-changing play or get the momentum going in our direction uh, has been a, a big part of the success. And maybe not surprising, but it's, it's nice that we've got a variety of different guys who can chip in like that. Got it. Well, ladies and gentlemen, Dane Doby, thank you. 40 minutes are up. You're staying. Rhodes, you're not right. I got 10 minutes with Zach, and then you're coming on. Yeah. I just have to grill him about Duke for 10 minutes, and then we're good. You want me sitting here? Yeah. <laughs> yeah, you're good. This is going to be fun. I'm excited because... Are you going to keep calling us attackmen, or are we going to go with forwards here? Forwards. Okay, you know, right. I every time I say floor in, or field instead of floor, Twitter lights me up. Attackmen yeah. instead of forwards, okay. I get lit up. So All right. it's almost more fun to piss people off these just, days. Just keeping you honest. Yeah. yeah. Thank you. I appreciate it. Um, you played at Duke, which is my mortal enemy. Aside from the obvious, why did you go there? You know what? I wanted to win. I wanted to win a national championship. That's uh-huh. why I went there. We didn't get one, obviously. But, hey, um, me neither. That's, that's the way it goes sometimes. I thought that was the best chance that I had um, from a, a chemistry, the quality of the team the year before. Um, I had actually played against those guys at the U19 World Games. There was about six or seven guys on that team from that U.S. team. And so uh, my dad was actually sick at the time when we were going through the recruiting process. And, and one of his kind of things that he left with me was like, I want to see you win a national championship. And mm-hmm. so uh, there's weather and there's the, the academics, obviously a big part of it. And the, the history of the school from an athletic perspective all contributed. But um, I thought that was our best chance to win. Got it. That's the only thing I'll ask about Duke. I hate him. I don't even want to talk about him. That's fair. Um, That's fair. But, I, you know, it's almost unique. You just talked about the contrast between outdoor and indoor. And I think it's like more surprising than you might think to truly excel at outdoor and indoor because the skill sets are so unique. What is good in box does not mean that it would apply in field and vice versa. So I'm kind of like curious in your perspective, what are the things that translate well to both field and box as someone who's succeeded at the highest level in both? Yeah, I think, you know, the physical style of play obviously is is critical for the indoor game. I think there's there's field across players who don't play that. Um, but I think you see the guys that can do that, um, get aggressive with the ball. And talking from an offensive perspective, obviously, um, you know, put their shoulder down, drive to the net, draw a slide. Um, you know, you don't necessarily have to have the best footwork or the biggest shot. But if you play a physical game, typically, you know, you're going to find ways to, to break down the defense or, or get open off ball and stuff like that um, that carries over for both. And then um, obviously stick skill is a big part of that, right? To be successful in the indoor game, you have to be able to, to handle the ball, catch in tight spaces, get a pass off when you've got a guy on you, stuff like that, um, that obviously carries over well to the field game too. So uh, what I think is is funny a little bit about the, the difference between the two, and I see you're seeing better athletes now in the box game than you've ever seen. Americans. Um, no, no, just, just okay, in, right, in general. Right. Gotcha. Um, uh, I think the Americans have had a, uh, a big part of that process you know you look at Canada field versus USA field um, now we actually have some athletes as well but um, in the box game I remember breaking into the league and you get in the locker room and look at guys and it was not impressive to say the least um, Easy. 
And, uh, but nowadays, you know, pretty much everybody's got to be an athlete or you just can't keep up. You got to be training, you know, four days a week, um, when you're not with the team, um, or you won't be able to keep up. And so athleticism being a, a big part of the success as well. I have other questions, but I want to talk about that first. How has your training changed? How old are you? 36. 36, and you, what, joined the league when you were, what, 21, 22? Yeah, 20, yeah, 22, yeah, probably. So you just said, like, you can't really compete if you're an athlete, if you're, or if you're not an athlete, sorry. I'm curious because I sleep wrong and I'm out of commission for, like, a week. How do you still do it? Yeah, What's I'd the say, secret? I'd say this year, the last couple years have been um, – Definitely a longer recovery period post game, mm -hmm. you know. Uh, so you get home Sunday, and the okay. body, yeah, the body feels the game up until Tuesday, um, where before you might have been buzzing around by Monday. So uh, a lot more recovery, a lot more um, just like regular maintenance, physical therapy during the week, taking care of the body, flexibility, um, you know, is a big part of the routine as well. So. Um, doing a lot more maintenance type stuff while trying to keep the conditioning up and obviously the strength up too, but a lot more I see body Brody maintenance. over there like shaking his head like, yeah, yeah, yeah absolutely. I've, I've, Brody has been a, uh, a, not a pioneer in a lot of ways, but uh, taking care of his body. He is the, uh, the guy you want to follow in that one for sure. So he's taught me a lot about that. Well, when you retire, I'll talk about developing a barrel and that's when life gets really fun. Okay. So. All right. Looking forward to that. Um, there are children here, right? So answer this carefully, but does the post game change as you get older because of the recovery time? Wink, wink. Uh, I think because we were on the same team for a little bit. We were on the mammoth for a stint. Yep. And I saw you a couple times out maybe again, there are children here, so I'm not going to go into the detail, but not certainly near what like the younger guys were doing. Is that a conscious decision? Yeah, 100%. Because I'm 100%. already feeling it more post-game. I think getting old has uh, uh, something to do with that, and just that kind of recovery takes longer as well. Um, but the kids is, the, is really the big game-changer, right? You get home on a Sunday after a night at the bar, and then you got to go home to your kids, and you just you feel like a terrible human. Um, and so you don't do that anymore. Um, so you know, taking care of the body is obviously a part of it, but then getting home and, and taking care of the family is, uh, is obviously the key there. Right, for sure. Yeah. I'll let you know when that happens for me. Um, so I love hearing about like Dobie's reasons why he liked traveling to the different cities. You know, you were part of the MLL, beautiful gong show that was for when it was alive. Um, MLL for years. What were some of your favorite cities to play in at the early stages of your career and now that you have a family? Yeah, uh, good question. I mean, I'm a, I'm a food guy, so I like I like trying to find restaurants and food in a bunch of different cities. Um, and then I, I love the camaraderie and just hanging out with the guys, right? It's our league being funny that you only get, you know, practice the night before a game, game day, and then fly out. Um, so trying to take advantage of the time you have together is a big part of it. And so cities where you can kind of get out and do that. Um, I look at the, the six years I spent in Edmonton not falling into that category when you're, you can't get outside because it's too cold and mm -hmm. you're, you know, walking through tunnels underground to get from place to place. But uh, Denver's a big one, just a, 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 an awesome city, typically good weather. Um, even if it's cold, it's typically sunny, right? And so the ability to get outside and um, they got a convenient downtown area with the Pepsi Center and everything else that you know. Um, Ball Arena now. Ball Arena, that's trouble. right. Yeah, yeah. It was Pepsi Center in my day. So, Me um, too. I'll always call it Pepsi yeah, Center and mile, forever. Mile High and uh, Sports Authority Stadium there. So, I feel like I'm um, getting chirped. Yeah, exactly. Ball Arena. Got to be careful. Get it? Um, Remember? Oh, yeah, yeah. Yeah, I get jokes. <laughs> there are kids here. <laughs> yeah, I get jokes. Um, 
No, nah, uh, Denver's one. Uh, I don't know. Like Boston's another city um, that I loved. Um, I had some family there and spent some time there. And so when you're playing against the Cannons in the MLL days and stuff like that, that was a good one. Uh, spent some time in Long Island. Not a huge fan of that whole setup. You know, playing at Hofstra and everybody goes home after the game to their own, you know, place. And you're in a random hotel by the airport. So... Um, I think a lot of the setup uh, is a big part of it, not just the quality of the city, but kind of where you stay and what hotels they put you in and those types of things. So, I don't know. Denver was a good one. Obviously, playing here is, is you know, top of the list. There's no question about that. You're not going to beat the, uh, the experience that we get playing in San Diego. Um, but uh, anything warm weather and then uh, Boston would be the other one in the summer is a great place to be. Got it. And, again, like it's, it's kind of interesting because I, you know, had a very short career you know, transparent, but even some of that, like you go through college and then you spend years playing and then now you have a family, like, are you able to still keep in touch with like some of your college buddies, some of like your rookie, what's the flyover that I ordered? God, those are so cool. We'll cut that out. Gets me fired up. I love Power of post-production right? stuff. Yeah, seriously. Magic of Hollywood. Um, like, so you have your college teammates, then your rookie year teammates, then, like, over the years, now you have a family. Are you still able to keep in touch with, like, some of your college buddies, or is it kind of just things just fall through the cracks? Yeah, it definitely gets tougher with the family, and as you get older and work and, and other commitments, um, uh, technology obviously has improved over... Are you a Facebook guy? Uh, not a Facebook guy, no. Yeah, right. I've got I've got the gram and Twitter. I'm not overly active, but I've got TikTok? them. Don't have TikTok? You gotta get on no. TikTok. That's I don't think I gotta do. get on TikTok. That's... That's what the kids do, exactly. Um, but we've got text groups, I think, are the big one, right? Chat groups and stuff like that. So I've got different chat groups with different buddies from Duke and Bryant and my buddies from home, even from high school and stuff like that. And then other guys that I played with, it makes it easier to, to stay in touch and see what people are doing and growing families and all that kind of stuff with, uh, with social media and stuff. Um, it's cool to be able to follow along and at least stay up to date a little bit on what everybody else has going on. Got it. Thank you, Zach Greer. You are staying and we are getting... I don't, Name every accomplishment ever. Welcome to the stage, Brody Merrill. Oh, hey, guys. Hey, Brody. Nice and close to the mic no? again. Yeah, another guy it. who just loves the camera, loves microphones. Just teasing us with that pizza sitting there, just wafting know, right? the smell right <laughs> in our face. Hey? Haven't eaten in seven hours. Well, grab a slice. No, no, no. Um, so you guys, what was your first memory of each other? And like what roughly what year? Because I'm not even going to try and guess when you started to overlap. I know exactly what my first memory was uh, playing against Broad, uh, Georgetown, Duke, uh, my freshman year. The the legend, the aura that is Brody Merrill. Um, getting to getting to play against him was was pretty cool. At that point in time, there wasn't a lot of Canadians down playing NCAA lacrosse, which is obviously a shock now because we're dominating um, NCAA now. But uh, but at that time, Brody was like the guy, right? And so getting to play against him in that game, and um, I don't remember the outcome. I'm assuming we probably beat up on him pretty good. But uh, but yeah, playing against him uh, in college was my first memory. I actually I remember it well, too, because uh, there were definitely um, Zach carried uh, – a lot of hype coming into, into Duke and uh, had followed him and, and uh, played against his, his older brother kind of growing up. And um, Duke was, I'd say in my kind of era, like just okay. 
And then Zach came on the scene, and uh, as well as Matt Donowski and a, a few other players that really kind of took them to another level. And um, yeah, I was a senior, he was a freshman. I do have a funny uh, story though. My buddy who was guarding Zach, Zach, I remember the feature on Facebook where he can poke someone? Yeah. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Prior to the game, Zach poked the. Uh, my my buddy before the game, so you could tell he's coming in with some uh, some swagger and and some confidence. So he, he backed it up though, and and uh, it's funny to think back. Doesn't seem that long ago, but kind of all we've been through since then. And um, you said you weren't a Facebook guy. You know, I was. I'm not anymore. Yeah. Yeah. I'm not anymore. Yeah, that's and the I do with me. I swear it wasn't me, <laughs> it honey. Was that, that time. That would have been. I remember that as well. That would have been like this. I don't know, sixth or seventh game of the season, and I was you know, young and arrogant and, and stupid. And so I was doing that before every game. I look at the guy in the scouting report that was going to cover me and I'd poke him on Facebook. <laughs> and then, uh, and we line up, we line up for the first, first face off and he turns around and he slashes me right in the shin and he goes, nice effing Facebook poke. Like, <laughs> I don't think I did that again after that. Yeah. And he was, he's a big boy too. Yeah. Yeah. yeah Rob Smith. He actually yeah. played football at Georgetown yeah. too. So. That's not that impressive. But, you know. <laughs> Yeah. So the good old days. That's actually way better of a start. Do you have uh, any other kind of playing against each other in college memories, like summer tournaments? Was was it a big thing back then, or no? No, not really. We um, again, it was I was on my way out as he was coming into college lacrosse. So uh, we we got a chance to play on a few national teams uh, together, and actually, uh, it was more so like re- when we were, when Reebok was in lacrosse. Yeah, <laughs> Yeah, we, uh, we were both sponsored by Reebok, so we'd take these trips to to Boston and and uh, be at the Reebok headquarters. Had some fun that way. So yeah, yeah, we had a blast a few years there. Yeah, living the dream. Sponsored athletes. Yeah, <laughs> must be nice. When was the uh, when was the first Reebok's time you guys no longer at yeah. lacrosse? Yeah, yeah. yeah. R.I.P. R.I.P. Yeah. Just make sure. I think everybody knew that. Yeah, welcome to transition. Um, what was the first time you guys were on a team together? Was it Canada or was it? Um, another box like i don't know everybody always says junior a senior a but i can't keep track of all that wikipedia didn't uh let me know that i think it was actually the national team uh patrick zach yeah. and i were on the, on the same uh, team in manchester england we, um that was their first time kind of playing together we we uh yeah us pulled one out um yeah, yeah it was a tight game but good experience again um so yeah I hear those. We've uh, gotten to know each other, I guess. I get, I've been, uh, got a f- became friends and teammates with his older brother Billy, and it feels like we've gotten to know each other pretty well over the, over the years in the game. Yeah, absolutely. And I actually have a, a funny Patrick Merrill uh, re- memory from uh, yes. tri- tryouts. Um, Team Canada. I don't. Where was that in? Where do we have those tryouts? I forget. Was that in? Was, I forget. It might have been in Buffalo. Yeah, maybe and. Um, and I remember going for a loose ball, and I and I da- I might have dabbed at it with one hand, or I might have missed it. And he gave me a big chop and had some choice words for me. And that was the moment that I I kind of clued in. And again, coming from college, and you play in the MLL, and it's like all oh, but you know the the drill, and it's buddy buddy. And that was a friendly reminder that there's no friends on the field, regardless if we're competing to to play on Team Canada together or not. It was, uh, you know, when you're on the field and you, you're dialed in, and and you got one job to do, and that was a, a friendly reminder and a nice uh, lesson learned from uh, from Coach Patty. So the first time you guys were playing, you guys were on Team Canada together in England. 
right? I think that's right. Yeah, I think that's right. I hear the world games are really fun after the games. Did you guys get any good team bonding after the games, or? I always find I feel like always, going out the, in England. The, the world championship experience is totally based on whether you win. Or yeah, really. I remember it kind of being pretty somber after after that. Um, yeah, but, I think uh, we flew out the early the next morning too. I think so. Really? Yeah. Yeah, it was one of those. Um, yeah, I mean, you just lost the world championship, so <laughs> blow off some steam. Uh, yeah, just, no, just catch a flight across. It the didn't pond. didn't have quite the same uh, energy that it, it might have had otherwise, and we've had uh, a few other times when we have pulled out the W. So got it. What uh, what was your first experience as teammates uh, in the NLL? Edmonton, right? Yeah, uh, traded Edmonton. Yeah, yeah. yeah. it was s- kind of midway through um, the year in Edmonton, and uh, yeah, I remember playing. And actually, Billy was there too, and, right. and I remember having the opportunity. Uh, Derek Keenan was a coach and GM there. It was like we have an opportunity to get Zach, and uh, it was we were so excited, and and uh, it was such a huge pickup at the time. Yeah, yeah, it was a it was a veteran crew of guys there. Unfortunately, I think we a lot of guys split up after that year. Did you leave after that? Yeah, yeah, you left, and then Billy left as well, and. Um, so we, we lost a lot of lots of good a lot of, a lot of good guys out there, but um, lost a lot of good men out there. Yeah. Huh? <laughs> <laughs> Playing for the Yankees. Um, if you've been to Edmonton, right. you know. Yeah, oh, yeah, to yeah. Um, but uh, no, that was a good crew to come into, and that really changed changed my career. You know, I spent a year and a half in Minnesota, um, and just didn't couldn't figure it out, and you know, whatever it was, right? Um, but then got in there with some guys that I felt comfortable with, and a shot of confidence uh, from those guys as well, and obviously. Derek Keenan um, being a big part of that too but um, but yeah getting in there and, and getting to grow up a little bit uh, under those guys was a big part of me kind of changing the path awesome and then uh, last question while I have you two up here I mean you getting to play for your brother you getting to play for your brother like it's just such a beautiful thing the question um, do you think there's a problem with nepotism in lacrosse <laughs> <laughs> you don't have to answer that thank you very much Zachary. appreciate it buddy <laughs> Yeah, go get some pizza. Um, you sucked us in there with that. Yeah. <laughs> really had to tee it up because I've made that joke a hundred times. Um, so I'm genuinely curious about this one. You've been around the sport both indoor and outdoor at the highest level for longer maybe than I've been alive. No offense. What has like improved about the sport and what – do you think has either been stagnant or could be improved upon drastically like since you started playing all the way to now because wealth of knowledge you've been around hundreds of people hundreds of games and everybody says grow the game everybody says fastest game on two feet what's your take on what's going good and what's going bad for the sport as a whole yeah i think there's a lot that's going well i think um it's funny maybe when you're you're in the moment you're going through it uh, over time you don't notice a lot uh i change i think there's things that have changed is probably more that's that's kind of stayed the same um but um i I just think that there's there's um just more interest just outside of the small lacrosse world right you're starting to see you know more attention kind of in the mainstream you're seeing it you see uh on sports center you know top in the top 10 plays things of that nature and and the college game growing and getting more notoriety so it's very like um, like growing up in the game, 
it's very community based. It's kind of this uh, niche sp- type of sport, um, but now you can see it emerging as uh, kind of more in that mainstream. Got it. Um, glad you touched on college right there. Um, Georgetown has one of their best teams in years this year. Beat Notre Dame. We kind of gave you charity, kind of the make-a-wish game. We'll let Georgetown win. Um, how involved are you on the college scene, whether it's your involvement in George or Georgetown um, versus, like, you know, with your involvement in the Hill Academy, I'm assuming you're on the horn with college coaches all the time, you know, shipping kids off to the States. Yeah, it's more so in that capacity, just following former, uh, you know, Hill Academy players that, that uh, you know, have coached over the years. And, and um, yeah, I mean, I think you still follow your program. I'm not, I'm not really that closely involved with Georgetown, just more mm-hmm. as a fan and, and still follow the team and, and uh, you know, wish them the best. But it's more, it's, it's neat kind of seeing, you know, like a guy like Jeremy Noble, right, who, who uh, actually Patrick and I coached at the Hill Academy that's progressed through University of Denver and now playing alongside him. So, uh, yeah, it's pretty neat to, to kind of watch that next generation come up. Are there any uh, particular colleges you like to see Hill guys go to? Anyone have, like, really good experiences if you send them there? Still waiting for Notre Dame. I, dude, I, <laughs> does Corrigan just I not answer your calls? I don't think they, they – I don't – not, I mean, they're doing something right. They got a great program there, and not, but never, uh, you know, maybe the, the admission standards are too high for Canadians. But uh, <laughs> yeah, I think <laughs> probably not. Hi, I'm Nick. <laughs> um, sorry, what was the question? Do you, <laughs> any particular college you like seeing Canadians go to? Um, I mean, Denver's had a lot of success with it, so it's kind of you know they've it's become kind of the, uh, a part of their, the fabric of their of their program you know and their identity so there's some other Cornell um, you know tend to tend to kind of cheer for those Canadian friendly programs so you're not a Notre Dame guy Canadian friendly program is not how I would <laughs> describe it but I'll digress um, moving on to some of the pro leagues I'm very curious what you think like the NLL, for example, does better than the PLL and what the PLL does better than the NLL. And maybe not even a comparison, but like what is each league doing well that you think like could the other league learn from? I think with the NLL, it's um, I was even talking about this, like even comparing it to the to the NBA, like the I, I went and saw a Lakers game earlier in the week. So I, fresh on my mind that the in-game experience in the NLL, I think, is really unique and it's really fun and exciting action-packed um i don't know if that usually can come across as as well as it maybe could on watching it on television it's just that um you know even even this past weekend's game the environment in pachanga arena was was loud energetic um you can see everybody's you know uh drinking Kings of Convict, you saw a lot nice of Kings of Convict beers nice uh, floating around, but it was it, just loud, energetic, and I think the intensity and the environment in an NLL game is, uh, I think, really unique in the sports uh, landscape. So, um, yeah, just kind of continuing to expose that to more people and bring that to light. I just think the broadcast sucks. He's needs <laughs> to step up right there. Um, is there anything about the PLL that you've noticed has been kind of a significant upgrade from the MLL? And again, not that we need to dog on the MLL because, you know, defunct league, but has that been a big upgrade in the field game? 
I mean, yeah, I think I, I spent 14 years in the MLL, and, and then so it was a long time. And, uh, you know, I think in terms of the competition, it's, it's going to be similar. Like when you put players together that are, you know, that are competitive and want to win, um, lacrosse is lacrosse. And I think one, one of the things I've just noticed, I, I always like watching people kind of outside of the game react to it is, you know, the, tele, the, the telecast and, and the quality of uh, production. That you see in the PLL, so I think, uh, yeah, that's definitely been a bright spot. Got it. And you're just gonna hate this question, but the PLL named their LSM of the year the Brody Merrill LSM of the year. How much crap, nice save, did your teammates give you for that one? Yeah, there's there's been <laughs> a little bit of that for sure. Okay, good, because <laughs> if they didn't, I have some jokes prepared that I will yeah. share later. Um, you touched on it with uh, when Zach was up here earlier, but I'm fascinated about the World Games and you know, kind of the Team Canada experience. And you just mentioned that a lot of it depends on if you win or lose. Mm-hmm. Um, during those like wins and losses, like after a win, do you get to know like a player from Team Australia or Team Japan, teams that you know that you're gonna beat? Are you more focused on making that kind of like a cool environment for them and elevating the world stage or just let's go take care of business because we know we have America in the finals? Yeah, that's, it's a pretty, uh, you know, special experience. And then I think that it is part of it. You have, you know, Iroquois, Team USA, Canada kind of at a, yeah, traditionally been at another level. So I think part of it is... Trying, trying to grow the game, interact with other countries, and and uh, you know, what's always fun is like passing off your equipment and things like that to those that uh, you know are just getting started in the game. And I think it's it's in San Diego, not this summer next. So I think for local fans, it'd be a great opportunity to experience that, and, and uh, it's a, it's a pretty again pretty special experience. Do you have? Because I I love hearing the stories about the cultures on each team. Yeah from my perspective which you can take a guess at do you have a favorite team that like because i heard team italy like shows up with a wheelbarrow of beer for after the game (laughs) and team japan when you are just beating the brakes off of them are still so excited that they get to see high level lacrosse in person even though it's them getting torched yeah is there a favorite team that you have to play against or see after the game that was the one thing. Team Japan, they're always working. They always, like, even when the ball's at the other side, they're always, I've I, I never seen it before, but they're always cutting and moving. And, like, it's. Uh, Wait. <laughs> so, as you're, usually you're just kind of standing beside your tap yeah. and they're always moving. <laughs> so, you got to be on your toes. Yeah, out. you got to be on your toes there. And I'd say <laughs> Australia is, like, really, uh, they're pretty feisty. Like, you, you want to. Makes sense. You want to make kind of be friendly with them but they're they're not having any of that they're they're pretty pretty feisty group as as you might expect so and then gearing up i'm again curious high level nll game um high level pll game world game canada versus usa like if you had to rank those on how vicious of a rivalry it is what kind of takes the cake they're all very different um i'd say that you have to choose one in the in the nll it's just it's there's a different level of intensity and emotion just because of the nature of the box game and the physicality um i think as zach alluded to probably tuesday of the following week you're starting to feel right again and so um i remember talking to a a good friend of mine about it recently chris schiller who played in the mll nll for a long time 
um, he's like, you know, just talking about how emotional uh, the NLL is and an NLL season is. So kind of much, uh, yeah, similar to like the NFL. But um, yeah, so I, I think it's, they're all unique and they're all ultra competitive. But um, I, I usually feel leaving NLL weekend feeling like I've been in a car accident or <laughs> I don't know what, what to compare it to, but it's pretty pretty intense and pretty physical. Well, it doesn't help when you get cross-checked in the face and they don't call it, <laughs> not naming names. Yeah. But, um, yeah, so you are still, what, how old are you, 40? 40. Okay, I yeah. was going to say 41. <laughs> um, and still an enforcer, I would say. When you threaten to beat someone up or when you're getting into a scrap – do you call on other guys like after the game, be like, Hey guys, I'm kind of 40. You're 22. Maybe you step in and get in a scrap. No, you know what? Like you don't know <laughs> age doesn't really, when you're on the floor, it really, that stuff goes away. You know, you're not thinking of it, your age or where anyone's from or, or anything like that. So you're just playing and you're just, you know, playing on instinct. And, and so one guy that I've always looked up to uh, is Zidane Ochara, the, the <laughs> NHL defenseman that's playing into his 40s. It still plays with an edge and is still effective. So I, I kind of see that and look at other older players and think, you know, it gives you some confidence. Um, it's actually just, you know, personally speaking, really cool to see everybody's family here. You know, mm-hmm. you, the Dobies, your brother, Greer's, like everybody. How much does changing? How much does having a kid change your approach to lacrosse? Because lacrosse is your priority for so many years, and then it takes a huge backseat. Yeah, I'd say the it's it's kind of neat now, and, and maybe Dane and Zach are experiencing this. But uh, when my kids were younger and and kind of in that newborn stage, it's real. That was my hardest time playing and and um, trying to balance everything, and uh, you know the lack of sleep and and just everything that goes into it but now they're at a stage where they're actually fans and Mm -hmm. they they they're starting to know the game they know the players they're fans of the players and so even coming to an event like this and seeing dane doby they'll be talking about that all night right and and uh so it's it's really (laughs) it's really neat to involve them into that and to to bring them to shoot arounds and to have them you know create these memories uh, you know alongside them is something that uh, they'll never forget. I know that I'll never forget. And then is the goal of fatherhood to get your kids like Notre Dame? Or <laughs> Hopefully by then, yeah. yeah. They, so they changed their recruiting approach and, yeah. Need it. Um, and then so, you know, Zach alluded to it earlier. Might have been Dane, but, you know, it's no surprise, uh, you know, tail end of the career because you're 40 and no one yeah. beats father time. <laughs> Um, do you see more of like a back of the house scout type role or more of a broadcasting role in your future? Um, <laughs> I want to know, know how much time I have. Because you know when the hockey guys retire and they just find a role within the organization somewhere? Yeah. I'm wondering if you're looking at broadcasting and I need to start updating you're my safe. resume. You're in a good, yeah, no, okay, definitely perfect. not as quick-witted, even close to you. So you're, you're, you're safe there, buddy. Thanks, bros. Yeah. <laughs> um, but other than that, that's that's about all I got. Okay. Thank you, uh, Thanks, thank you, Brody Merrill. Okay, appreciate it. Well, that is about all we have for our live podcast. Thank you very much, Kings and Convicts, for hosting us. Thank you, Dane Doby, Zach Greer, and Brody Merrill, and Patrick Merrill. We appreciate you all. 
Come out to the game on Saturday. We are taking on Colorado for an even more commanding lead of the Western Division. Thank you very much. Appreciate it. This episode is brought to you by UC San Diego Health, ranked number one in San Diego by U.S. News & World Report. Last time I checked, being ranked number one by U.S. News & World Report is a good thing. They are the official healthcare provider of the San Diego Seals. Big fan of their work. That's UC San Diego Health. This podcast is brought to you by Knockaround Sunglasses. Knockaround is the original affordable sunglasses company. Original and affordable, that's a one-two combination you can't beat. Head to knockaround.com and pick up a great pair of polarized shades for about $30. Ain't going to break the bank. Quality product. That's Knockaround Sunglasses.